Welcome to the Garden Culture Podcast hosted by me, Bailey Van Tassel. I'm a self-taught gardener, busy wife and mother, and small business owner on a mission to live a garden-inspired life. Each month, we will explore what's going on in the garden and fields, as well as get to know incredible people who infuse their own lives with the magic of the garden. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned here, please visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast. Hello, Greg. How are you? Super good. Thanks for having me here. Um, It is a nice Monday morning in spring and things are popping off in the garden and in the farm. It is a very, very busy time for me. Oh my gosh. And I love it. (laughs) I know. I'm so excited to hear about everything you have going on because there's obviously a common theme, but there are a lot of just really interesting, super dynamic, really impactful projects that you have your hands Mm -hmm. in. Um, and before we even dive into any of that, as everyone knows, I like to start with a little backstory on how you grew up. So, um, I want to know if you were raised like on Mm -hmm. a farm in a gardening family or what was that Mm -hmm. like when you were like a kid? I grew up in the suburbs in the city. Um, so not on a farm. Um, I still don't own any farmland or anything like that. I'm still, I'm leasing. Uh, but as I grew up, I was in the city. I was a, my parents were not gardeners at all. They, most of my vegetables came from maybe a can or it was like iceberg lettuce, you know? I mean, there was yes. rice. It was mostly meat and potatoes and, you know, that kind of stuff. Whereabouts? Uh, Whereabouts? It was in Orange County also. So okay. I know you're from up that way, but I'm yeah. in northern part of Orange County in um, a small town called Placentia. It's next yes. to Fuller- Fullerton, Anaheim kind of area. I think I already uh, knew that about you. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, we chatted and I said I was from Orange County, but maybe yeah. not exactly where. So, okay. um, but in like a nice like residential uh, neighborhood. And as a kid, I was always out. I was definitely out an outdoors kid, like yeah. you know, riding my bike everywhere, camping, going to the park, going to the beach, um, jumping rivers, like, you know, crot- searching crawdads, all that kind of stuff. Loved mm-hmm. being outside. Um, very much into sports, very much like any sport I could do. As a kid, um, into high school and in college, just like being outside, and maybe that's kind of it comes back to full circle because I love being, I just love being outside and and um, and exercising. But still, no farming and garden. My first intro to agriculture was my grandmother, which is a lot of how a lot of people started. You know, yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of influence from from the elders. Uh, she had a lemon tree, and we would pick it and make you know uh, lemonade. And I'd have a you know, lemonade stand, just like a lot of you know ten year olds or eight year olds or whatever. I love that. Um, so that was the first. And my my neighbor growing up. Now that I remember, my best friend growing up, his parents next door had a couple chickens, and like they would grow mint and tomatoes and stuff. But I never was exposed that much to to gardening. Um, but just a little bit as a kid, but I never, ever thought I was going to get into it as, as a profession. Do you think or, any of that like was baked in a little bit or was there something else that kind of drew you in that direction? I don't, I don't know. I baked, maybe my, my, my grandma has a green thumb. She has tons of like house plants and tons of that. So maybe I saw something from there. Um, but I got into gardening after college pretty much. Um, well, like during college and I, I was working at a farm to table restaurant and at this point I was eating, you know, high protein diets, like very, you know, carb rich, you know, exercising a lot. And so anyways, I took a job at a farm to table restaurant in San Diego and, um, 
the first couple moments where I had my aha moment was eating this, you know, fresh foods and fresh vegetables and salads and and meats and and I could notice the flavor and the smells, how yeah. much, you know, how much more flavor it has that from a, from a local farm. And then how it made, how it transitioned to my energy levels and how it made me feel like I just felt my body felt better. I was, um, had more, just more energy and training and just like in general, like in life, I, I just felt, I just felt better. And I was like, I, I thought to myself that there's something, there's something there. There's a reason why. And so I would, you know, kind of dove in and then just like as a lot of people do, they realize, you know, local foods are fresher, they have more nutri- nutrition. And then I dove into these farms themselves and find out that they have, you know, healthy soil practices, which that's kind of blew my mind where, you know, it's the soil that kind of the healthy soil and the nutrients there kind of relates to um, the nutritional value in the food and mm-hmm. um, all this nutrient dense. We, we talk about uh, nutrient density in food. And that's kind of a buzzword now. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of upset because what had I been eating for the past, you know, 20 plus years of my life that was like these fake vegetables or fake just vegetables that look okay, but there mm-hmm. were, you know, lacking nutrition or lacking any, any, you know, life to them. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And it was a kind of like upsetting and also this aha moment. Like, um, so that was my spark kind of. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So you're yeah. literally just working in a farm table restaurant. And then did you kind of, you start poking around these farms? Were you like, yeah. I want to volunteer? I want to learn how to do this or yeah. what happened? It wasn't, uh, not, not quite yet. I did start my own small garden at my house, um, just growing some peppers and some tomatoes and stuff and failed pretty miserably the first couple, you know, tries. Like we all did. Mi- yeah, exactly. <laughs> mild, mild success. Um, so I didn't really poke around these farms yet, but I was working for a cool company. It was Stone Brewery. They're very like holistic and very natural. And um, at the time, it was just after the recession, like 2009. It was like so like 2010 or so. And um, there we, we California had this huge drought for like five years or more. And it, we're in a desert, obviously. So um, we had you know, drought problems. I was working for kind of like this hippie, sustainable kind of company. And I was a... Um, I was a total like business major in college, just very student high, salesy, just not not much of a hippie <laughs> at all. Um, for lack of a better word, hippie. I love um, it now because like literally your <laughs> handle here, even when we're on this, is like Farmer Greg, and you totally yeah. you got the look now. It's so funny. You should see like short hair, shaved faced Greg back in. <laughs> um, student, not, I love it. I kind of Greg, you know, just. So I thought that was that was for me and what I was gonna do, but um uh in realizing I don't know, just my atmosphere, you know, culturally as far as uh, where I was working and and also in school, and then culturally for the drought, and I could just see this kind of um shift in sustainability and people like sustainable industries. So I got into rainwater and gray water collection, um, like harvesting rainwater and using it for landscapes in, and I would install those throughout San Diego or for a company for a couple of years. And it really started to drive me, um, with like my passions as far as something, doing something better for, you know, the, the planet or just my community and also, um, you know, making a living at it and, and making, you know, being able to survive as opposed to just a hobby. Um, 
and then that's when I started to get into growing growing vegetables and using rainwater to grow gardens and grow you know, oh, edible really? landscapes and fruit trees and then also native landscapes. Um, so that's when I started kind of diving into food, you know, growing food. And that's a really, I remember my first time like in an orchard I, I, when it was just full of fruit and I, man, it was so profound for me. Um, I was like, this is like, there's something here. Like I have to keep going with this. Um, so you work, you know, part-time jobs. I had so many part-time jobs. It was crazy. <laughs> you know, keeping, keeping overhead low, you know, having roommates, um, cause you're like a farm worker and a laborer and, um, you know, it's not a steady full-time job, but I just would, I knew that there was something to it. So I just kind of stuck with it. And after a couple of years, uh, of installing rainwater systems, I, um, wanted to see if farming was for me. And so then I started to look into um, like woofing or work away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if people don't know what woofing is on this um, the show, this it's a world organization of, of organic farming and it's like a job, like a like a work trade placement. Mm-hmm. You can work all the way all around the world on farms that are looking for, you know, people to for laborers, for people to work. And there's a trade of, you know, it's a common about 25 hours a week for exchange for room and board. And I'm like, I can do that. Let's, let's see if I can do that full time. And, um, if I can consider farming as a profession and being oh, out, you yeah. know, being outside every day and like grinding. Yeah. Uh, so long yeah. story short, you loved it. Sure. I, I mean, that's my assumption, right? So like, then you kind yeah. of, where, where did you, where did you woof? I went to to Maui, the island of Maui. Oh um, wow! I looked, I looked all over the world, and I just I wanted to see. I love the tropics. I was always, you know, I'm into surfing and um, ocean, so I wanted to, you know, surf and farm, and like that'd just be total paradise for me. And um, so, what so did they at, primarily farm wherever you were? I went on two different farms when I was there. In the beginning, it was it's a lot of tropical um, tropical fruits and then vegetables as well. I worked on. Um, a farm that had mixed Dutch, mixed orchard production, about 20, no, no, no. That first one was like eight acres and there was a lot of bananas and papaya, avocado. They sold oh, banana cool. bread, banana bread as a, um, like on a farm stand on the oh, side, wow. uh, on the side of the road and the, the road to Hana, you know, it's a very yeah. famous road. And so yeah, I was yeah, in yeah. Hana, I was in Hana, um, magical place and even though I'm, but I was a tourist there, you know, I was, even yeah. though I lived there, I lived there for a year, but I was still, you know, an outsider Yeah. and, um, tried to incorporate with the, with the community and it was great, but it just wasn't necessarily for me, um, uh, in the end. Yeah. Um, but I, I worked on like a coffee farm. We planted tons of coffee trees and, and, oh, uh, c- and cacao and, and harvested and made, um, chocolate and, um, oh, all that kind of gosh. stuff. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> It's great. So I want to jump back to this rainwater thing because yeah. on a personal yeah. note. So um, yeah. I just had m- uh, my godmother, who's like my garden guru, come visit. And yeah. it's like makes me kind of feel sick to admit this, but she could not believe how much our, our water, how much chlorine is in it. She could smell oh. it when she took a shower and like yeah. taste it even through our water filter. Yeah. And so um, I always in the past was like, oh, you know, rainwater harvesting and gray water is incredible because, um, you know, it reduces the amount of water mm-hmm. usage and the mm-hmm. cost of it. But I wasn't even thinking about, because I know cognitively like the nitrogen in rainwater and the mm-hmm. nutrients and everything that's in rainwater is better than what you mm-hmm. get from like a municipality. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't really thinking about the impact of my 
city water on mm-hmm. not just us, but mm-hmm. like our veggies and our soil. Um, yeah. So I just started doing some research on like little filtration systems I can put sure. in the garden, but I'm like, I yeah. need a better solution than that. Cause I have, I have 10 beds that all have like hose bibs for the irrigation. And I'm like, I'm going to have to install like 10 oh. filtrations, little yeah. filters on each thing. Anyways. So yeah. I'm, I know we'll come back around to this because some of the projects that you've worked on that are so soil focused, I'm sure have huh? addressed kind of this issue, but yes. I was like alarmed by, I, we're <laughs> used to it. We're used to it now. So yeah, like that's just, what makes me kind of feel sick for yeah. myself and my family. Oh man. Yeah. You don't even know all the chlorines, chloramines, um, all these, all these gnarly words like fluoride or just things that yeah sanitize the water and kill it from all the, you know, um, any you know, nasty anaerobic uh, condition. So it cleans our water, but what's also uh, kind of harmful to the, to the plants or to, to our bodies. Um, Do you so, yeah. feel like using rainwater or gray water is better than like a whole house filtration system or is it sort of the same? Rainwater is in my experience, the number one um, water for <laughs> number one use for, for growing plants or vegetables for just sure. from, I don't, I don't have any like specific data on it. And then it's just from a couple, you know, a decade of, of paying hit or more of paying attention to this yeah. and seeing the response in, in plants and how much bigger they have after yeah. it rains or after you use rainwater from a barrel. Yeah. Um, I swear I can see like within 24 hours after it's yeah. rained really heavy, my plants have grown. For, exactly. Insane. Exactly. And this winter was it's, it's incredible for my own garden because we I have and that's our best season is fall winter anyways yeah, for me but yeah. mm. um okay I had to ask that because it's I'm really crazy I'm guess I'm curious to hear too how you guys irrigate in some of your projects like that sure. would be too so speaking yeah. of which so there are sort of three major I I was introduced to you in by mm-hmm. three avenues mm-hmm. <laughs> um Great. and so one initially was farmer's footprint. Mm-hmm. and that organization mm-hmm. and then also i follow like a thousand tiny farms yep, yep. and was kind of following your work there and then heard yep. about this agro hood that you're working on <laughs> yeah. um which i'm super super jazzed about so yeah. i guess chronologically for you where like what was the beginning when it comes to kind of like what you're working on now um probably a thousand tiny farms idea started first okay. um but it was kind of at the same time with Farmers Footprint. Uh, so I, I was working, like after I got back from woofing, uh, I took back to, the, to California and wanted to continue, continue farming. Okay. So I was setting up and working for like nonprofit farms and some for-profit farms and then still installing backyard gardens and doing my own garden. And I was working at this uh, for-profit farm called Sage Hill Ranch. Uh, awesome place in Escondido. Cool. A little, pl- little plug for them. Um, and my coworker there was like, you're starting like a thousand tiny farms. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? You're right. And I should start like a little organization for it or something. Just kind of get this as a movement and kind of encourage people to grow food where they are um, in their backyards or on their patios or in their community somewhere just to kind of see and experience the freshness of food and what it can do for your you know, health benefits as far as nutritional nutrition in the in the vegetables and also um, you know, just being outside and getting you know, like hands in the soil and it's very grounding and all those things for help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, so so I'm starting all these uh small small scale farms. 
And uh, at the time, I was also listening to a man, um, Dr. Zach Bush, who's uh, I've listened on several podcasts and just he's connecting um, soil health with with the nutrition and you know he's a um, triple board certified practitioner and and just and noticing that the decline in soil health is also in relation with the decline of our human health. So if we can you know reverse that by having healthy soil and healthy nutritional nutrition. Um, from our vegetables and meats, then we can also heal our bodies. Okay. I am deeply obsessed with yeah. Dr. Zach Bush. Yeah. Like yeah. in yeah. every possible way, shape, and form, I like take his yeah. ion product. I follow absolutely everything he says. I think yeah. he's an incredible yeah. guy. And yeah. I too heard him on a bunch of podcasts and was like, yeah. Look, like There's what? There. There's, yeah. I mean, I would just, and he's so articulate when it comes to what's yeah. going on. And, and then yeah. you're just like, this makes so much sense. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but it's lovely when someone else has like done the research to help and make it make sense. Yeah. You're like, okay, great. So he started Farmer's Footprint, right. uh, as it, which is a nonprofit around, um, he has Ion and a lot of other products and stuff. Um, but I, so I, read, I searched, did a Google search for Farmer's Footprint and found out that their main office was like 20 minutes from my house. And I was like, this is a national, you know, international company and they're in my backyard. I would love for them to come to see my farm and we can talk about it and we can like maybe do you know interview of some sort so so that's where i, I reached out to them and um that's how i met my what uh, my partner yeah. for farmers footprint originally um so they can i can i do a backstory about um yeah they sent out they sent out a uh, a photographer and to do the story on me and at this time i'm emailing this this person and we have no idea you know who each other are um she thinks that I'm this like older farmer that's just crusty or whatever, like, you know, 70 year old plus farmer. And, um, she shows up and we're about, you know, we immediately hit it off. She's my, she's my partner now. She's my, I was like, please tell me this is yeah. turns into a romance. Yeah. 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 It's a definite love story. It's I really love this. So they, they bring her out and you know, she's super cute. And I'm like, what this is okay. So I'll, she tells the story much better, but, Okay, well, um, long story short, everyone <laughs> listening, if you start to garden, you will fall in love, and then the rest of your life is amazing. End of story. That's, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, everybody. I love this. Okay, sorry. Continue. Oh, yeah. We emailed back and forth a bunch of times. They sent her out, and I'm at the end of a day. It's super. It's like mid June, super hot, and um, I'm sitting uh, like on this bale of hay, honestly, in the front of the farm, and I'm having a beer and with my other coworkers, and she shows up and is kind of looks around dumb, dumbfounded and is like, I'm looking for Farmer Greg. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm Greg. <laughs> and she was like, what? I thought you were somebody else. And uh, anyways, um, I was like, I made you some homemade kombucha. Would you like to try some? Oh my God. This is like garden core. Like, so, like this is every like young woman's fantasy. Like he shows up yeah. and this like cute farmer who's giving yeah. her, like a scoby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, like, it's so fun so we yeah anyways we toured around the farm did some pictures and uh, i was working at this farm at the time so we were interviewing with my boss um at the time as well and she just kept like panning over to me and asking me questions and i was like hey he's the actual like farm owner if you want to ask him questions and anyways, so i just kind of figured she was kind of flirting with me and um and i was trying to keep it strictly professional at this point i was like farmer's footprint's a great company i want to have a good rapport and like let's Anyways, a couple of days later, I called her up and and we we ended up hanging out and uh, we went surfing on our first date. It was great, but there's a there's a really long story there. 
but um and she tells it much better than i do not, but i, I don't love wanna, that i don't want to bore everybody no i love that i love that so you Anyways. fall in love and then <laughs> <You're well enough. laughs> and then um you start actually working with farmers footprint in some capacity yeah so this is where it started. Um, so that was the backstory. So at the time, I didn't have a website for anything, and I didn't have any social media or a little bit of social media, but I didn't have much um, online. And so she's like, "Why don't we build you a website? Why don't we do all these things so people can hear about you?" And that's what started this thing called the Nest Farmers Footprint. is an organization that uplifts farmer stories. They share and document yeah. um, farmers around the world, and they they share their stories and uplift them, and then help them when they can. So they helped me by making me, um, she made me a website and pictures and, you know, we up updated my social media and got kind of, you know, it was marketing and advertising. Um, cool. So that was the first one. And then since then they've done, you know, a dozen mo or more uh, other farmers, um, you know, help them with their websites. So they have a program called The Nest that kind of uplifts farmers and helps them with their, their media and their online platform. Yeah. So, I mean, and I guess to give everyone some background, what's the mission for farmers in general? <laughs> they just uh, contracted me as a, as a tenant. I'm not an employee of Farmers Got Footprint, it. but um, they I mean, are... Basically, they're building to... like awareness for just regenerative farming, the people that do yeah. it like equality yeah, yeah. in the farming industry um when you True. go to their yep, website yep. which i'm on right now you are on the front page mister I, <laughs> I love it so much but um it is really cool so it's kind of investing in regenerative future and i know that they've done some yeah. there's just like a lot of education and film and yeah, all of that yeah. um story blogs a lot of blogs um yeah, so I, I wrote I wrote a couple of blogs for them. Go ahead. No, go ahead. well, and I want to hear what you wrote about because I think the how I also came to know Farmer's Footprint and then you was I became really upset about glyphosate and how yeah, much glyphosate exactly. is in absolutely all of our food, even mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. cheese its And I mean, not that I would mm -hmm. promote yeah, consumption definitely. of cheese its but I've I've had I've I've consumed many a boxes of cheese its in my day. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, mm -hmm. and so it's not even just like romaine at the store or whatever. But in this yeah. was by way of Zach Bush. So, um, but yeah, yeah, so you've done some writing for them, blogging. Yeah, yeah. Started off a um, a blog kind of on nutrient density and where have kind of the nutrients mm -hmm. gone in our food and and the flavor and how that kind of flavor can relate to nutrition. There's instrumentation being built, um, and there's to to measure some sugars like a bricks meter which is a refractometer oh, wow. or measures like soluble sugars if in like tomato juice for example yeah um or if you just squeeze a tomato onto this little petri dish kind of thing um you can see like how how dense it is pretty much and then that's like relates to how much sugars maybe how much flavor or uh, nutrition it has but then there's this new thing kind of coming out about measuring nutritional nutrient density as far as the specific minerals mm. through um spectro spectroscopy which is a kind of a light you know a light ray that bounces back minerals oh interesting anyways i'm not i'm not a scientist or anything i'm just saying um there was some re some studies on how to measure nutrition nutrient density and but we can also we have these instruments in our you know built into ourselves in our noses and our tongues and our you know yeah. our eyes so we, we can use our senses to kind of depict what's flavorful based on um you know 
how sweet it is or how bit whatever how, how it tastes and those things in flavor r- relate directly to the nutritional value of the vegetable or fruit so i swear that i mean yes if you've <laughs> ever had like a homegrown tomato versus a store-bought yeah. tomato and tomatoes are just the easiest example too because they're usually right yeah. with a chemical in the back of the grocery store and they travel really far so they're picked when they're not yeah. ripe and it's just like they're watery yeah. and gross and yeah. a homegrown tomato, warm from the sun, will like mm-hmm. literally change your life yeah. and like the trajectory of it. But yeah. um, I feel like I there's I can feel by touch a difference in wow. the veggies I grow mm-hmm. versus the veggies I buy, and it's it's similar. Yeah. Like when there's like a really ripe cucumber or tomato or whatever, I don't know. It just feels yeah. actually more dense. And yeah. more, I don't, you know what I mean? I don't know. I think, yeah. I guess this yeah. has got to be like a farmer gardener thing, <laughs> but I like, am I crazy? Am I imagining this? But yeah. I don't think I am. You're not crazy. You're not crazy. We just have to, I think we've kind of lost that or we've been numb to, yeah. maybe that's similar with the water situation. Like we just don't know that it's like how, not how bad it is, just like how it can be so much better. It can be so much more flavorful, so much more nutritious. Yeah. And, um, and I found that there was a, a good way to do it was to grow it yourself. So Absolutely. I was like, let's do this. And then how can we, I did that, I started my own gardens and I'm growing for myself, but I also wanted to share it with my friends and family and community. So it's like, all right, a bigger garden and a little bit bigger garden. Yeah. And how can we deliver fresh and most nutrient dense, freshest vegetables possible right in the city um, with limited. Anyway, so that was kind of the spark for the other, other farms and stuff. But, um, yeah, so the t- thousand yeah. tiny farms, you're still yeah. very actively doing that. Yeah. And so now yeah. you are farming and I need to bring mm-hmm. the kids down and check it out yeah. in San, North, like North San Diego Please. and you've got a farm down there. Yeah. Um, yep. so what does that setup look like? It's a backyard of my, some friends of mine okay. and I walked, walked in their backyard and it was this big open plot. Like the whole thing is probably about it a half acre of the yard. Okay. And I probably farm on about a 10th of an acre. So it's not that big at all. Yeah. Um, but I put out a lot of production in it. I mean, it's very, um, organized. I mean, relatively organized. It's, I have, uh, 50 foot rows. There's about almost 30, 30 rows at 50 feet each. Oh, wow. Um, which takes up about like a 10th of an acre or so. Do you think you have to use like I feel like there's sort of market gardening practices that really increase yield. I would assume that's kind of what you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. So the, the farm I worked on before and the farms I set up were all in this market garden kind of, um, I, I got the bug for, for market gardening. Um, I don't know how many years ago, but just like small scale, no tractor, no big infrastructure tools, like limited, you know, startup money. Um, so and I can just do it myself because I could I could physically do it, um, and so yeah, exactly. So thirty inch wide beds um, oh, wow. with, an, with a with like a fourteen inch walkway or the size of a, a flat shovel. Cool. Um, yeah. And I don't use any tractors. I don't even have a walk by walk behind tractor. I use a, a broad fork and a tilther. Yeah. Um, which kind of cultivates the top couple inches, um, so it's no no deep tillage. Uh, yeah, very intense. Intense vegetable vegetable production, a lot of compost. Yeah. Um, Where no you chemi- get your dust- compost. For me, I have a couple of sources. Um, and there's one that I find is is a good one. Um, everyone's got their own opinions, but San Pasqual Valley Soils in Escondido has an Omri certified um, uh, cow manure based mm-hmm. um, compost, and, and then I use that in conjunction with um, 
either like peat moss or or cocoa coir or a um like a humic compost because that's your raw manure or like your manure based compost but you also need your plant material compost along with the minerals and right. uh, native native soil get some air in there yeah i think yeah. so one of the biggest challenges that i found like in suburbia and gardening and questions i get asked a lot is like where do you mm-hmm. get your soil and how do you get it mm-hmm. And it's not even necessarily, I mean, people, I think, want to avoid bad soil because of the quality mm-hmm. and, and the cost. Mm-hmm. But like, it's just, it's just harder. It's harder to find really good compost. It's harder to like get it into your yard. It's hard to, it's like yeah. kind of just, I don't know, when I was growing up more in the country, it's like everyone just yeah. had a good source and it was way yeah. easy to just get like a truckload of compost yeah. and like, but then yeah. again, too, like the dirt wasn't quite as compromised and it is very, mm-hmm. I don't know where it is, what it's like in Escondido, but in Orange County, it's like really hard clay. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. There's a lot of mineral. Yeah. It's depleted, depleted organic matter. So it's a lot of, a lot of clay, a lot of sand. Yeah. Um, I have a lot more sand where I'm at in, in Encinitas, yeah. Cardiff area. It's a little more coastal. Um, but yeah, clay areas, but it, you're right. It is very tough. If I can rip off that, um, for bulk compost, yeah. you go to, you know, city composting, municipal um, composting facilities have it where you can buy a truckload at a time mm. uh, for, you know, 30 to 50 bucks. You can go to big nurseries, um, have bulk soil, like a bulk soil facility, yeah. have raised bed mix or compost for, you know, you get a truckload for 50 to $100 as opposed to buying, you know, several bags that would be, you know, hundreds more. Yeah. Uh, so, and then, but also the, the bag stuff, I wouldn't say is terribly, uh, I don't say bad. It's more like, kind of like filler Yeah. where it's, it's got a lot of organic matter of, uh, decomposed plant materials and it's got, you know, some type of chicken manure or worm castings, but it just, it's lacking, um, bio, uh, like biological life and microbial life. Yeah. So we need that active biologically active soil, uh, compost to kind of mix into that, um, to mix into that the bag if you buy if you were to buy yeah bag, bagged potting soil yeah 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 for sure yeah yeah so with your the farm that you're farming now and a thousand tiny yeah. farms what is like the kind of future of that and the goal of that for you is it kind of just to yeah. educate people raise awareness inspire them to start like kind of tell me more about your mission it is a huge learning entrepreneurial uh thing for me um it started as kind of a nonprofit farm and uh, switched to for-profit and um for me it's a learning curve it doesn't pay 100 percent of the bills but i am going to school i'm going to farm school with my (laughs) with myself with myself (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) for myself with myself and just like learning how to how to project how to do crop you know planning how to how to you know, you're doing your own marketing and retail and I have a farm stand and CSA yeah. and customers and, you know, I'm doing a lot of it myself. So it's, it's, it's a huge learning curve so that I can scale up. And this was, like I said, it was on rented property, my mm-hmm, friend's mm-hmm. place. And I always knew that it was going to be, um, kind of a short term thing. Like they're going to develop the land and that's totally fine. It's just, it happens. Um, so I was staying nimble by not putting in permanent infrastructure or anything. Mm-hmm. I wanted to learn so that I could expand to my next um, project, which uh, we can get into as well, is um, these new terms called an agri-hood. Yeah, okay. Ag- I'm so obsessed <laughs> with this. When you told me about it, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so and tell not, me. 
Go ahead. Go ahead. So it's not necessarily a new concept. Um, I mean, people living in community and growing food, it's not, you know, <laughs> as old as time. But this this term in agrihood is an agricultural neighborhood. So think of an HOA or, um, you know, 200 or 1,000 homes with, you know, a five-acre farm or a 20-acre farm right in the center of it. So, um, but okay, so th- that's happening all over the world in a few in a few spots. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um and, and throughout the United States, but and so I'm I'm I wanted this to I want this to be the, happening for the future. Like this seems like a really good way to um, cultivate community and get people involved and kind of get people back to growing food and and understanding where the food comes from. And anyways, all the nutritional things like we talked about. How does the agrihood oh. work? So you kind of described it to me where it's like almost like a planned living like a community and then there's yeah. like a farm in the center of it and then do all the yeah. houses get to like how does it work do they get to like share yeah. a reap the benefits and there it's already paid for or like kind of what, what well, like? i'll break i'll break it down for you in this in this because it's a little different than we are going to be a for-profit um organization and there are several other like nonprofit agrihoods mm-hmm. or just in conjunction mm-hmm. so i want to show a sustainable farm business model as well as cultivating community. So I want the, sometimes these agrihoods around the world are, have fallen short of a successful or profitable farm business. And it's the same thing with a lot of nonprofit farms. They just rely on donors or, or, you know, volunteers, but I want to show that this is, this can be a business that can be a viable business and you can pay your way and make a living, um, and pay employees and things. So, um, this this project is called Fox Point Farms. It's going to be in Encinitas. We're currently building, and oh, cool. um, there's going to be 250 units, um, so like condo townhome style, and a five acre farm for vegetable production and some fruits. There will be a farm to table restaurant on site, and a oh, cool. um, so the restaurant on site with a farm stand on site where you get like a grocery store. Um, we're going to have some other you know. Um, uh, like ceramic studio and, and a brewery kind of thing. And, oh, cool. and so it's going to kind of all inclusive, but the main thing is, is there's a restaurant and the farm stand. So people will have direct access to the freshest produce that you can. Um, Cause I'll cut it and bring it right over same day. That's so, so um, awesome. as far as people in the community, we will have volunteer days and they, we are building um, several raised beds, so there'll be small community gardens throughout the um, the houses. Oh wow! The farm itself will be is a separate a separate business. Um, even though it's on the same property, it's just it's going to be a little bit separated. So we are I'm, I am going to have volunteers, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that with all with the community there. It's just not going to be open twenty four hours a day for them to go into the farm and kind of like you know do whatever they want to do. Yeah. Um, we're going to be a little more organized, like I said, like a for-profit farm. So we're going to try to run it a tight ship, but I'd love to have people come out. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. I spent a long time working in the philanthropic space and Mm -hmm. it's just, I think having people having skin in the game is really important, especially when Mm -hmm. it comes to our food and quality and fair wages and all of those things. Um, but I think that's super exciting and yeah. being able to showcase what a successful, hopefully successful business model mm-hmm. looks like, because mm-hmm. it is sort of, I mean, I, 
it's just so important for us to get back to having these values. And I think the more people have expectations like that they're where they live is going to have these cool amenities, the better, you know? Yeah. I I hope it's a a successful model and then it can be replicated and, 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 you know, we have influence or have some other people get motivated to kind of do the same thing, whether it's in like a development or even at their own house. Like, and that's also with a thousand tiny farms aspect is I'm just showing people, trying to show people that you can grow a lot of food for yourself. Oh yeah. Where you, where you live and you, um, and it, it, whether you're getting, you know, 10% or just like a small amount from your garden to your, uh, to your plate just the incredible benefits that it, that it comes, that comes with it. Um, you don't have to grow hundred percent of your food. I don't even grow hundred percent of my food, but there are, I guess a cool call to action is just trying to make maybe 25% of your, you know, of your dinner with stuff you grow. And then maybe, you know, it's a side dish or maybe it's, it's a hundred percent sometimes, but yeah, I don't grow, you know, wheat and rice or anything. So I can't have tons of grains, Yeah, uh, but I can eat lots of vegetables. Sure. And I, I'm not a, I'm not vegetarian. Just to kind of <laughs> go out there, I get asked all the time. I bet. Um, I love you know meats, uh, eggs, fish, but I I try to source locally as I can and I raise chickens. Um, but I think yeah. that being community dependent is, in my opinion, even better than being entirely self sufficient because yeah. we weren't designed so as humans like to just be alone trying like trying yeah. to do life in a silo um and yeah. i think that it it just there are so many different people that have different strengths when it comes to what they grow so yeah like yeah. you i mean i'm trying to replace a significant amount of what we consume with the garden and i kind of plant based around what i know i can yeah. reach like the amount of quantity that i want with other variation in the garden it like kind of comes down to this like funky science balance that we have <laughs> yeah. like for our family um yeah. But I think that people, if you come at it with like, just do something, like you said, even if it's like, just maybe just all your own herbs and then you just don't yeah. buy those and just to yeah. get started is so key. Yeah. And just that, that peak freshness where you're, you know, even lettuce or something, you just, you pick it out of the ground and you're not mm-hmm. even necessarily washing it. I mean, you could, but, um, if it doesn't have any, 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 you yeah, know, bird pooping on dirt. it. Just like eat, yeah, you just eat it. Like it's not, yeah. it's not, gonna, it's not gonna hurt you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not. I wouldn't claim all that, but it's it's really good for you. Yeah, our kids. Um, we successfully grew carrots this year, which in nice. it's hard to grow a good carrot. And yeah. so the littler, like the smaller ones, we just started calling them snackers. And so the kids would pull <laughs> them, and if they weren't big enough, they're like, "Oh, snackers. that's a snacker," and they'll just eat yeah. the whole thing, and it's just completely dirty and it has like the little carrot hairs and everything yeah. like actually i think that's like you don't need a probiotic just eat your snackers and i mean go. yeah a little compost little compost shot right um <laughs> okay so when is like the fox point farms project gonna be <laughs> happening like when's that yeah. live it is currently being built yeah um the homes were probably ready like they're trying to project later, like December, but probably January next year, twenty twenty early twenty twenty four. Cool for for opening. Um, the houses may not be ready, but the restaurant might be, and the farm will be running. Oh, cool! Then. Yeah, amazing. So, yeah. um, tell everybody where they can find sure. you specifically. So, if anyone wants to learn sure. more just about you and your projects, where can they find you? Um, well, I mean, easy things. If you want to look on Instagram, that'd be great. I have, uh, my personal page is farmer Greg 
underscore official. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Farmer Greg official. Um, and then Thousand Tiny Farms. Uh, we don't have anything for Fox Point yet. So then those are the Instagram handles. You can also, my website for Thousand Tiny Farms, um, thousandtinyfarms.com. Awesome. You're, feel free to reach out to me, email if you want. Greg S. Reese at Gmail. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and sharing what you're working on. You got it. Oh, yeah. And then the Farmer's Footprint, we're doing a a garden club all year long. So if you want to, we'll do different um, themed tutorials of like gardening, but then we'll do beekeeping and compost and um, microgreens and all that kind of stuff. So you can reach out to me on Farmer's Footprint as well. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah. No, thanks for being here. I'm super excited and I'm going to, I'm going to follow up. I'll have links on the show notes for everything you mentioned, but I'm going to keep a close eye on these projects and I'm going to come down for a farm tour because I think it's going to be so cool. Please. That'd be great. Bring the kids. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Yeah. Thanks. You too. Okay. All right. See you. Bye. I hope this episode has been balm for the soul and inspiration for the heart. I would love if you left a review to let me know your thoughts or anything you're interested in learning. And I'm so grateful that you found this space. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned, visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast.